There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. The Yankees have swept the Twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. I believe, but I'm also not positive. This is edition number 188 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind, presented. How about mind, not mine? in my own mind, presented by Beans Coffee Company. Doing a little Minnesota Timberwolves season preview. Timberwolves open their season a little bit later on this week. Mitchell Hansen at M underscore Hansen 13 on the X machine from the Hitting the Hardwood podcast. Also, Canis Hoopus. Good to talk to you, my guy. How you doing? Hey, good to see you. Uh, good to join. I, I appreciate you uh, asking me to join and, and talk a little basketball. Everything's going well. Well, typically, as you know, I tend to be a little bit better and more forward thinking about pods. And uh, thank you to you for being so good with your schedule and squeezing me in on very short notice. You know, we're both very busy. I don't know how I'm so busy. I really have nothing going on in my life, yet I'm always busy. So I. long story short, I appreciate you making time to talk. Uh, soon to be NBA champion Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. Absolutely, it's it is the season. We're we're already already here, uh, even though we've we've been patiently awaiting the start of the year for about two weeks as these exhibition games go on. But um, yeah, we should be a, a another exciting year to say the least. I want to play some sound for you. It's actually from Chris Finch at the beginning mm-hmm. of the preseason. But not a lot has changed that would impact this quote. And I think it's important because it's just a good, I think in his opinion, a good assessment of where the NBA is right now and how good the entire league might be as a whole. Yeah, I remember I mean, yeah, all different variations of the West, you know, uh, when there were teams that were winning 50 games that did make the playoffs. You know, and the East was really, really low at the time, so everyone go would go East and stack the wins. And um, but I don't even see uh, the East being down this year. I, you know, they're going to be extremely competitive. I, you know, there's only a handful of teams that you know are kind of maybe in a rebuilding or a reset mode. So uh, I think it's not just the West. I think it's everywhere. I think there could be a lot of teams right around 500 all season long. So we like to think, sorry about that audio there, obviously from a shoot around at the beginning of preseason. We'd like to think right now the East is stacked. The East is stacked. But I think Finch brings up a pretty good point that the West is also pretty good in itself. And just like last year, the Timberwolves were so darn close to having a really high seed but they lost so many games to also ran teams is probably not the best way to put it, but teams that they should beat. If this Minnesota Timberwolves team is going to take the next step in the 2023, 2024 season, 
they got to start beating those teams because this roster should be good enough to beat the teams that you should beat and then at some level beat the comparative and quote-unquote teams that are better than you. If the Minnesota Timberwolves do that, Mitchell, in the long run, the long view of this season, I believe this is a team, and this is me, Mr. Negativity, saying this, that can win a first-round playoff series and, depending on matchups, can maybe even win a second-round playoff series. I don't know what it looks like as a team coming together. But there aren't many teams in the league that physically have more talent on their roster than the Minnesota Timberwolves, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to your point too, they they you know well they do need to stay healthy first and foremost. That's that's a given for any team, but but especially this team, we you know I view it like we you know viewed them a few years ago with with you know D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns before Rudy Gobert was even here in. We want to see what we actually have, and we haven't really had a chance to do that with this team yet, with with Cat and Rudy specifically playing together, um, just because neither, well, specifically Cat hasn't really been all that healthy for, for the most part. Um, so that'll be interesting to actually see them take the floor together, see the full picture together, um, and that'll that'll teach us a lot about what this team actually is. Um, but they also they built some good depth this year, um, area this off season um, coming into the year, and and I think that. You know, when it comes specifically to playoffs, those that depth, those players, they matter and they make the difference. Um, so I, I do like this team. I, I do think you know the, the West is going to be tough. I mean, you know, like like you said, and like Chris Finch said, um, not only East but the West is tough. But it's you know it, it all it takes is getting a, getting a chance in the playoffs. And um, I, I do think that this team could could make some noise if if and depending on where they land, I guess in in the playoff in the in playoff seating and the Western Conference standings. The Vegas number for wins is hovering somewhere between 47 and a half and 49 and a half for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's just say for argument's sake, they hit the over on that. They win 50 plus games. If they win 50 plus games, is the most important recipe for doing that the health or is it the depth? Is it the personnel? What would be the number one thing that when we look back at the end of the season, we would say this is why the Timberwolves won 50 plus games and throw out whatever happens in the postseason. I think we would all say if they win 50 games or more, that's probably viewed as a successful regular season. What would be the number one thing that makes that happen? Uh, to me, I would say health because health then leads to depth. Um, because if you, if you obviously if you're not healthy, you don't have as much depth as you would like. Um, so I, I I think you know first and foremost it has to be health. That that's something that played a factor at the end of last season. You know with Nas Reed being out, uh, Jade McDaniel's being out. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns missed a, a bulk of the season. Um, so getting just those guys and those are key players. Those are those are big names. Um, important names and you know so having those guys healthy having the entire team healthy um, first and foremost I think will will benefit Minnesota quite a bit and I think that will lead to being successful Um, but but I I also do think that the you know the depth will come into come into play because you're not overbearing these guys you're not overtasking them you're not you know playing you don't have to play them um, as many minutes you can kind of manage their minutes a little bit um, with with that depth 
Um, so I would say that first and foremost, it, it would be health. Um, and then, you know, secondly, you didn't really, you, you didn't really ask this question, but I would say that, you know, the, the surgeons and kind of the, you know, the, the stardom of Anthony Edwards, I think a lot will re rely on that or kind of ride on that. Um, you know, if we, we see even a glimpse of what we saw, you know, over the off season, what he did, was able to do with team USA, I, you know, that, that alone will, will carry Minnesota to, to a few, at least a few wins. So I, you know, those, those two things are, are definitely things that I'm, I'm kind of watching for specifically early on in the year. Do we know how much of the off season went into assuming Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert play in most games? I'm sure there'll be some load management or nights off, but how much in the off season when it comes to roster building with the moves that they made, but also just the offense you're running when you're out on the floor, how much did they put into account how do we free up the lane and free up the middle for Ant Edwards? Because last year, it's pretty undeniable they were better when only one of the two bigs was on the floor. But I don't think management brought in Rudy Gobert to only play Rudy for a bit and then Towns for a bit and not play them both at the same time. So what what has gone into the offseason to try and make this roster as constructed work? Because last year, in the limited doses, it wasn't working. And that mm -hmm. might just be because they didn't have enough time to feel it out. I'm I'm willing to listen to that. But also, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, when it comes to the additions this offseason, I look at, you know, even the, the free agency signings or, or the draft picks. They added a lot of shooting or not not a lot of shooting, but they added more shooting, um, you know, with those signings and those additions. Um, so to me, the in return that that's going to end up opening the floor up. That's going to end up opening the paint up. That'll open up opportunities for those guys in the paint. They can kind of work inside out if they want to. Um, so to me, that that's an important thing is having that dual threat of you know if teams have to guard you out out you know beyond the arc. That opens things up. That only helps uh, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards driving into the paint. Um, so I I would say that shooting first and foremost is something that. Um, I've noticed is, has been, you know, a trade of, of the guys that they've all brought in, um, as well as, uh, you know, boosting them on the defensive end, um, I, I think will will definitely be be a difference maker and will definitely help. But, um, yeah, first and foremost, I, I would say shooting and, and that'll be a key, key aspect to this team. The last time we caught up a few months back, we talked about the proverbial fork in the road that the franchise was going to meet eventually with all the money being paid to Rudy, all the money being paid to Cat, all the money being paid to Ant, and we wondered, could they afford Nas Reed? They found a way to get it done. How are they going to make it work with Jade McDaniels? They found a way to get it done, at least for now. But eventually those bills come due. And I just continue to wonder, with all those guys making large amounts of money, what does this thing look like a year from now, or is that really not a problem till you get to next off season? I mean, is that just, is that the old, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Or would you say there's already plans in place where if they don't like what they're seeing 20, 30 games into the season, you maybe start to look at moving some pieces. So you can be, I, I don't know. You can have some wiggle room to massage and manipulate the roster going forward because uh, you probably know the cap game a lot better than I do, but from what I look at and what I read, 
there's no money. Like there's no money left and there will be no money. So eventually, unless I'm looking at this wrong or you know more about it than I do, you're not going to be able to pay all these guys over and over year in and year out. So I, even if it works this year, I don't quite know what the long-term goal here is or what the long-term play is because mm-hmm. I don't think all these guys will be on the roster two, three years from now. Yeah, I, I think that best case scenario, they're worrying about this in the offseason. Uh, you know, that they have a successful year. They can worry about it in the offseason, figure out what they're going to do. The other plan, so plan B to me, is that they know what their plan is if things go awry during the year that they want to move on from somebody. Um, and that might be, you know, we'll, we'll probably learn about that, you know, at the first half of the year. If things start to go south, maybe around the trade deadline, they they try and make a move or, or in the offseason, they make a move. Um, but I, I I don't know. I, I agree with you. It, it seems like something has to has to happen. Um, and to me, that would mean maybe one of the bigs. I don't know which one. Um, I don't know which one they value more or less. Um, but, you know, I obviously you're not going to, you know, move a, a player like Ant that he's untouchable as it gets right now. Um, but I would say that just about, you know, everybody else might be might be available if, if they have to make some moves, which they're going to end up having to do something. I agree. Which offseason move do you like the most? Do you feel like it could make a big impact on this roster? It, it seems like the consensus is that a lot of people like the Shake Milton move. Mm-hmm. Is that something you would back up, or do you like something else that they did? I do like the Shake Milton move. Um, I, I really like the you know his ability to to boost them. You know, shooting the ball, like I said. Um, he's just a, you know, he's just a playmaking um, kind of wing slash guard. Um, but he, he, you know, he's somebody that can, that can, you can slot in multiple spots. He can, like I said, he can, he has that, that playmaking ability. Um, you know, I, I do, I'm really intrigued to see Leonard Miller, how he's able to, to come into this lineup and, and produce. Um, but, you know, that, that's something that, you know, he's maybe a little bit more of a, you know, a raw, um, you know, kind of athletic, um, skilled guy, you know, like I said, who can, um, you know, help them out depth wise, more of a depth piece. But um, those two, I, I'm very intrigued to to see, but I, I really do like the Shake Milton um, signing. I, I think that that's, you know, I, I agree with other people that that have the same view that I think he'll be a, a really solid um, you know, piece that they can, like I said, slot into a couple different positions. Um, and I think he'll be one of the one of the main contributors, maybe coming off the bench that that this team will will have, um, and he'll definitely be one of the the top kind of backup uh, uh, guards that that Minnesota has. Playoff series, all I guess franchise uh, franchise history. That's what I'm trying to get at. Really struggling with my words today. I'm, maybe <laughs> I'm just so in awe of having the Mitchell Hansen yeah. on the podcast. I'm making you nervous. The Wolves are <laughs> two and eleven all time in playoff series. Two up, eleven down. At at some point, I really hope that this is the year to really start building and you to use that culture word cult. Jeez, to use that buzzword culture. You kind of have to win a playoff series at some point, don't you? And this logically, if it's not now, it feels like what we talked about just five, 10 minutes ago will happen where there's going to have to be major changes, especially when you have all this money invested. I jokingly said, but also 
kind of seriously said last year, about halfway through the season, I think the Wolves could make a run towards an NBA title next year when I said that that was last year about this year. But they didn't have the progression last year that I was hoping to see. So now I feel like this has to be the progression year towards building. We've started to see it in recent memory. I used to say every year that the NBA is a borderline Ponzi scheme where teams like Minnesota have no real chance at ever winning. It's just set up that way. Even I will admit that's changed in the last handful of years. If you do things right, you can win it. You can win it all. So can it be done? Can this core of player, can this core player, core group of players, wow, I might just quit today. Can this core group <laughs> of players do it? Can they? I do think they can. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not just saying that. I'm not riding the, riding, riding the Homer uh, bandwagon, but I, I do think they can. And, and part of that is the mix of experience that they have on the, on the roster when it comes to playoffs. You know, you have the likes of Rudy Gobert. You have the likes of Mike Conley. Um, you know, having that presence helps in the playoffs. Having somebody who's been there, having a player or two who have been there, that matters. Um, but also last year, you know, playing against Denver in the playoffs, they you know, obviously got a win. They got that experience. But seeing what it takes to be that team, I think, helps a lot. Um, you know, I, a lot of people don't like, you know, when you're, you're, you're that bottom seed and playing the top seed. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like, you know, that matchup. Obviously, it's not a favorable matchup, but it also gives you that insight of, okay, this is what a title team looks like. This is what a, a, a you know, a contending team looks like. And that gives you the framework to kind of build off of. Um, so I, I think that in part, it was it was a good learning curve for the likes of, you know, even Carl Anthony Towns or or especially Anthony Edwards. Or you look at you know, obviously, Jaden McDaniels didn't play, but you, you look at at him. A lot of these guys don't have that experience. And last year, it was kind of you know one of their first years of of just tasting that and and seeing firsthand what it takes to to be that caliber. So I, I do think that um, you know they they have the ability. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the longer players are are in the league, you know, you get that experience. You're battle tested. That that matters. That helps. Um, and, and the more that, you know, they, they continue to mature, um, you know, that, that'll, that'll all play into effect. But um, to, long story short, I, I would say that, you know, they, they do have what it takes. I don't know how, you know, I don't know if they have a, have a you know, chance to, to compete for a title, but we'll see how, how things play out during the year and, and how they progress. Mike Conley Jr. just turned 36 last year in his 15th season in the NBA. He averaged almost 15 points a game and five and a half assists. Is it fair to expect that a year older you'll get that same type of play from Mike Conley, or is that the importance of some of the free agent additions that were made, knowing they're probably going to have to give him a few days off as the season goes on, probably in that middle portion of the season, just to keep him fresh, as pretty much everybody now does in the NBA? Mm-hmm. I, I think it is the latter of, of giving, you can manage his minutes a little bit better now. Um, you know, he's, he is a little older, maybe he takes his body a little bit longer to recover. Um, maybe he can't play as many minutes as, as he once did. Um, so that's where that depth comes into play. Um, that's where, you know, likes of, you know, like I mentioned, Shake Milton, he could see some, some minutes there. Um, you know, I, I look back to, uh, you know, the, 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 
Timberwolves counterpart, the Lynx. I look back at their time when when they were, you know, in the midst of or kind of at the tail end of their dynasty. You look at Lindsey Whalen; she couldn't play as much as she used to. That's when you bring in a Renee Montgomery to back her up to play some of those key minutes. That's where you bring in some of those veteran guards to to kind of to help um, contribute in those minutes where where she couldn't play as much as she used to. So I kind of view it as a similar uh, situation to that. Um, I do think that. Mike Conley can produce, maybe not to to the extent of once he did earlier in his career, um, but his veteran presence, his his calmness, his his you know maturity, and kind of being able to control this offense um, will will go a long way, and and we'll see just how his minute total looks as the year progresses. Did Nas Reed leave money on the table by signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Don't get me wrong, three years and forty two million dollars is a lot of money. But a lot of people, I think, were surprised that the Wolves were able to shoehorn him in and keep him around. Did the Wolves get creative? Did he choose to maybe take less to stay at a place that he's comfortable with? Or is that 3-42 and 42 pretty comparable to what he probably would have got on the open market? I would say if he probably hit the open market just because teams tend to overpay, I, would, he, I think he would have got more. Um, now, I, I do think that you know, he's obviously worth the money that he got. I think he maybe would be even worth more. Um, you know, he is a, is a great player and he's somebody that, like I said, he's kind of an up and coming player where a lot of people like that. A lot of teams like that. A lot of teams want to overspend for that. Um, so I, I think that if he did hit the open market, he would have gotten more, but you know, he, you can tell Nas likes it here. And, and for when it comes to players that, you know, for in this example where Nas was undrafted, uh, you know, rookie, Minnesota gave him a chance. Minnesota's giving him this opportunity. That goes a long way for players, and players feel like they owe it to a franchise when that happens. Not that they have to. Not that it's the same. It's not that that way with every player. Um, but more often than not, that's what happens. And to me, I think that that's kind of a situation that might be unfolding here. Um, but Nas, you know, he's he's talked about it how he he just genuinely likes it here, and I think that's, you know, that was shown when when he stayed here over the off season, um, and you know when players do spend an off season in in a location where they're maybe where they don't live, um, that speaks volumes to me, and and that shows his dedication to the franchise, shows his dedication to living up to his contract, going beyond that, and they can always work out a an extension if if you know in a, a year or two. He's, you know, an all-star caliber player or even anywhere near that. Maybe they give him an extension. They give him that money. Um, they can do that. Um, and, and we've we've seen that plenty of times. So I, I would say that that's more of a, a situation that we're, we're dealing with here. Final question for you. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we all hope the team goes on a miraculous run, breaks the title drought here in the state of Minnesota, and wins the NBA Finals. Okay, let's just say that doesn't happen. When the season ultimately concludes, whether that's after the regular season, first round, second round, third round, NBA finals, whatever, what do you need to see or what do you hope to see to say, okay, that was a pretty darn successful season. I feel pretty good about where the franchise is at. I would say probably getting a, um, and now I don't know if this is this can happen during the season, but getting a clear vision of of maybe where they're going because they're kind of like you, we had talked about a little bit earlier. We we don't really know what they're doing. Like what, what like what is their plan? Obviously, they want want to make this work, and they're dedicated to make this work, and they're putting their money where their mouth is, and and that's great, and that's what you want as a fan, and that's what you want as a follower of the team. Um, but 
you know, for me, if if I'm going to see something and be satisfied with what what this team does this year, a I want to see Anthony Edwards officially. He did it even last year, but officially take on the role of my team. You know, and there's no question about is it is it his? Is it a big three? Whatever. It's Anthony Edwards' team, and I want him to live up to that that hype, live up to that that stardom we saw over the off season. Um, continue to build on that. Like I said, he did that to some extent even last year. Um, but also, I want to see the big three coexist. I want to see Rudy, Cat, and and uh, Ant. I want to see them play well together, and I want to see that that cohes- cohesiveness and them playing well as a unit together. We haven't really seen that yet, um, and, and it's we've seen flashes with Ant and Cat. We've seen flashes with Ant and Rudy Gobert. We haven't really seen that all mixed together. Um, so if that occurs, I, a, I think success will follow. Um, and B, I, w- I would personally be satisfied with, with what I see. And then ultimately I, you know, I think the goal for them is at least making it to the second round of the playoffs. I, I think that that's a realistic expectation. They got into the first round last year. Um, now you got to win a series, you got to make it into the second round and then let's see what happens. So uh, to me, that that's what I'm, I'm hoping for and, and what I hope I see this year. Matchups always play a huge role. The Wolves could be a two seed and maybe end up taking on a seven seed that was dinged up all year, but made it to the playoffs and maybe could have been a one, two or three seed if they weren't injured. But realistically, the best way to win a playoff series is to beat the teams that you should beat and get the mm-hmm. highest seed possible. So I certainly hope that that happens for the Minnesota Timberwolves this year, because I would agree with your assessment. Anything short of winning a playoff series this year is largely disappointing. And I've talked about this before with you, Mitchell, the NHL and the NBA, almost everybody makes the playoffs. And now in the NBA, when you have the play in, it doesn't really do much for me to make the playoffs. You got to do something when you get there. So to at least get to the final four of your conference, that's a good step. And for a franchise that historically I went through those numbers, basically wins next to nothing, even winning a playoff series for a fan base that so desperately deserves it would be pretty cool and pretty fun to see. Final parting shot for you on the way out the door, and please know this is not really me stirring the pot, even though I kind of am. I have nothing to stand on because my favorite college hockey team played the back half of the (laughs) national championship game not to lose it. And Mitchell, when you play a game not to lose it, what generally happens? You lose it. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) However, what is going on with the St. Cloud State Huskies to start this season? Just two and four, losing to St. Thomas, which by the way, I think St. Thomas, we've talked about this, is going to be a problem for everybody in this state Mm -hmm. going forward. I think they'll be national championship good within a handful of years. Alaska Fairbanks? You must do Alaska Fairbanks. What is happening? It's, What's going uh, on with the Go Huskies? Woo! It's uh, it's been a rough year. Uh, I shouldn't say it's been a it's rough early. year. It's early. It's start. early. Yeah, it's been a rough start. It, you know, they are a young team. Um, they they did see some some decent turnover on the roster. That makes a big difference in in college hockey. Uh, but it it's yeah it. I was at the the St. Thomas game to kick off the year, and and that I agree with you. I I think St. Thomas is actually a good team this year. I mean, they they yes. much better than people think. Uh, it's a darn are. it's a darn shame that they can't technically make the tournament this year because I think right. there's an outside shot that they could. Yeah, I agree, and and they looked like a much better team than than St. Cloud State did in in that that opening uh, game and opening series, but. 
it yeah i don't know i it's i think it'll be a, a slow progression year um for secu obviously they're they're starting off pretty low right now but um, I don't know the last time that they've been floating around the maybe even unranked spot. Um, they, they, you know, they're they were twentieth going into um, the week this past weekend, um, and obviously splitting against Alaska is not not ideal. But um, yeah, it's it's been a up and down year, and and getting swept by Mankato is is a sore spot. So that's that's not good either. Yeah, I was purely trolling the last two yeah. minutes and you know that i i saw it for those watching on youtube you let out an audible sigh and laugh right when i mentioned uh college hockey because you knew where i was going all right and if, uh the final few seconds here i'll plug your work i know you got the pod you got canis hoopus you got a bazillion things plus i see all this freelance work that you're doing what do people need yeah. to know yeah you can follow me first and foremost on twitter m underscore hansen 13 h-a-n-s-e-n um, you can follow my my podcast, Hitting the Hardwood. Um, it's it's also plugged in my my Twitter bio. If you you need to follow that, um, it's I specifically cover mostly cover uh, WNBA and links. Um, we'll continue to do that this off season. Um, but yeah, in written work, um, you can find me at at Canis Hoopus. I do a little NBA and WNBA stuff. Um, also at Winsider, Winsider.com. Um, and then I do some some things here and there for uh, RotoWire and everything in between. But Give me a follow. Love it. M underscore Hanson 13 on the Twitter and X machine. Thanks, bud. Thanks for battling through my tongue tiedness for the last uh, 25, a, 30 minutes. Always a great time. I appreciate it. And uh, next time I, I, I'll try not to make you so nervous. Okay, perfect. Perfect. You know, maybe I've had too much beans coffee. That's probably what the problem was today. I'm just so jacked on all the caffeine from the great light, medium and dark roasts. From my friends at Beans Coffee Company. Use the promo code SportsChat at CoffeeByBeans.com. That's SportsChat at CoffeeByBeans.com. You'll save some money on some great tasting coffee. Holidays right around the corner. Great gift idea. I'm Ross Brendel. That was Mitchell Hansen. We'll talk again later this week with Daniel House.